You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. You got your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right there in front of you in the seat back, which is great. It's just us this morning with our digital family as well, but every campus, the campus pastor is speaking live there on Baptism Day. So it's great to think about all over the city that folks are going to be baptized. It's going to be amazing, amazing time. So let me get us started by asking you. It's going to be a very participatory service today, okay, with baptisms and all different things. So let's just get started with this. How many of y'all use a to-do list to get your things done? Raise your hand if you got a to-do list there. All right, good. How many of y'all do not use a to-do list? Okay, we got a lot more to-do list people than, to, than non-to-do list, so that's fine. We hope that every, whatever you do, you get it done, which is great. We're going to see in the scriptures, if you will, an eternal to-do list. But before we get there, I found a couple things that would give us some expressions of a dog owner's to-do list, a stressed out person's to-do list, and a retired person's to-do list. So let's see the dog owner, what it would be. This is the weekend to-do list. I walk my dog, I cuddle with my dog. Talk to my dog, dinner with my dog, watch TV with my dog, tell my dog how cute they are. That is great. So you, if you're a dog owner, that's great. If you're not a dog owner, just include whatever you love in there. If you're just going and blowing and kind of stressed out, this is yours. Here we go. Get up, survive, and go back to bed. That's probably most of us in the room right here. Now, if you're retired, we all envy you because this is your to-do list. Wake up, nailed it. That's all you got to do. Just wake up. I heard somebody define retirement as this. It says waking up with nothing to do and going to sleep, not having got it all done is what it ends up being. So the to-do list we're going to see here, though, is going to be in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. And they're going to ask Peter. He's going to preach this amazing sermon. And it's going to be all through Acts chapter 2. He's going to use the Old Testament of quoting Joel and David. And he's going to tie it in with Jesus. And they're going to say, well, then what do we do? And I'm just going to give you the last section of this amazing Acts chapter 2, birth of the church sermon. And here's what it says in Acts 2, verse uh, 36 is where we're going to start. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. So this is his last statement about this amazing sermon. And this is what he says. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when they heard this, they were pierced, cut to the heart. And they said, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, so the 12 that Jesus had chosen, he, they said to them, they said, brothers, what must we do? He's asking for this question here. And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So here he has this amazing message, and they say, well, what do we do? Now, I don't want you to think that Christianity is about works. It's not about what you do. He's talking about how do we respond to this message? And it's a message of grace that Jesus Christ was crucified paid the price for our sins, died on the cross for us so that we could receive him as savior. And that not by our works, but by his work on the cross, his resurrection. And so they asked Peter, well, well, man, we we believe, What, what, what do we do now? What do we do? And he says two things. He says, I want you to repent and I want you to be baptized. Now, repentance, let's talk about that. What is repentance? It's a change of our thinking that changes our living. 
It's a change of our thinking that changes our living. So it's not you get caught and you feel bad. It's that you realize God has convicted your heart and God has said something to you and there's a repentance. There's a change of what happens. I love what uh, is said in, in the Daily Bread devotional. It says, there's a radical distinction between natural regret and God-given repentance. The flesh can feel remorse, acknowledge its evil deeds, even be ashamed of itself. However, the sort of disgust with past actions can quickly be shrugged off and the individual can go back to his old wicked ways. Repentance is a God, it's God moving on your heart and saying, Lord, I wanna change my thinking and I wanna change the way that I'm living. This is what one man said, Richard Trench, he said, Archbishop of Dublin, he said, the mighty, that mighty change in mind and heart and life wrought by the Spirit of God. So what happens is there's a place of repentance. We don't hear that word much in our today's Christianity. We hear a lot more about God thinks you're awesome and you're gonna be awesome and you're awesome, right? But repentance is also a part of that, that we've got to fulfill repentance, that we have to trust him in repentance to fulfill what God has for us. Repentance was preached by John the Baptist, was preached by Jesus, here by Peter and by Paul. It originates in kindness. Romans 2, 4 says, the kindness of God leads you to repentance. So he kindly shows us our sin and we come and we say, Lord, you're right. And I know that I've been thinking wrong. I know I've been living wrong. And I don't just do just say that to in remorse. I say that because I want to change through Christ and walk in a different way. Would you save my soul? Would you wash me clean? It's a turning from, yes, of sin, but it's also a turning to of Jesus. And that turning to is where you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So repent and your sins will be forgiven. Now it says repent and be baptized, but in the original language, he's not connecting both of those to the forgiveness of sins. Repent is, is in a, a plural and the forgiveness of sins is in the plural. So those two go together. And so repentance and forgiveness of sin go together. And then baptism is an outward expression of the inward change. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. So the repentance, God, I know that you're right. I know that I've sinned. I know I've fallen short of the glory of God. I trust in you alone, not in my works, not in me trying to do more good things than bad things. I trust in you to forgive my soul, to forgive my sins, to wash me clean. And as I repent, I receive salvation and forgiveness in you. And then as an outward expression of an inward change, I'm baptized. So I have my wedding ring here. And, and if I take off my wedding ring and I put it here, I take off my college ring and I put it here, I don't have my, my rings on that are symbolic, but if I still graduated from college, even though I'm not wearing the ring, yes, you could graduate from the college and never get a ring, doesn't matter. I, I, I still am married, even though I don't have my ring on right now, but I wear this ring to symbolize and say, I belong to Kelly. I am the husband of one wife. I'm the husband of Kelly. I wear this to be able to say, this is the university I graduated from. They're symbolic outward expressions of something that's happened in my life. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. So let me answer a few questions that we often have about baptism. Why be baptized? Why be baptized? If Christ saves you and he lives in your heart and you walk with God and you know God, why? What does it matter? If it's not um, 
you know, of salvation. Why? Well, here's why. It's symbolism, not salvation. It's symbolism, not salvation. Even in the, the original language, it says, and you will be baptized on account of the, re- the remission of sins, the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. So it says, you're going to receive Christ as Savior, and then on account of that, you're going to let the world know. Now, when people would be baptized in the old days, everyone would come to the river, and the whole city would show up, and there'd be a time of baptism, and people would jeer at them, they'd cuss at them, they'd throw rocks at them, and they would be declaring to the world, I know Jesus, and I'm different, and I'm going to walk in this way. And the whole town would come out as a public declaration of their salvation. It's not necessary for salvation, yet the New Testament knows nothing of unbaptized believers. So it's really very important. Thief on the cross, but you look at the church and you've got baptized believers over and over. So that's the why. Now let's ask the who. Who's baptized? It's believers, not babies. It's believers, not babies. You don't see in the scripture infant baptism. You see in the scriptures, believers after trusting Jesus as Savior, being baptized, and I'll tell you the route in just a minute, we see in the scriptures. And so it's believers, not babies. Now, I know with saying that, some of y'all maybe that come from a Catholic background kind of, whoa, what what are you saying here? Because I understand. I I want you to know I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a baby. And then I was baptized as a teenager once I personally received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was very nervous about telling my family that I was going to get baptized once I had trusted Christ as my Savior as a teenager. I didn't know how that that part of my family would respond. Would they be mad at me? Would they be upset? But here's what I told them, and here's what I really meant from my heart. I appreciate my heritage as I walk into my future. I appreciate my heritage. My parents were doing the best that they, they knew how to do at that time. And, and I appreciate that desire for me to, to be raised in the church, to, to know Christ, all those sort of things. And I'll give you a little history about uh, infant baptism in just a second. But I appreciate that as I walk into my future of my personal decision. Let me show you a picture um, that that is me as a baby being baptized. That's my mom right there, my dad right there, me as a little baby, Father Dubois in Crowley, Louisiana, in Acadia, in Paris. We had some crawfish and some Buddha after the time we had together. I got baptized in a bowl of gumbo after a New Orleans Saints game, okay? That's where I got baptized. I mean, Cajun Catholic, all right? And so that's me as a little baby. So I appreciate my heritage. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm grateful for that. But I know scripturally, as I began to read in the scriptures here and to understand here that there was a step that I had to take because I trusted Christ at 16 years old and asked Jesus to be my savior. Wasn't my parents' faith, wasn't the church's faith. It was me realizing I need to repent of my sins. Jesus, would you forgive me? He did and he came to live in my life and he came to wash me clean and I'm forgiven in Jesus Christ. I repented for salvation and then I'll tell you at the end of the message in a minute how it happened, but then I decided to trust Jesus in baptism as well. Not for salvation, symbolic But I wanted the world to know. I wanted my high school to know. I wanted my friends to know. I wanted my family to know that something happened in me and I still hadn't gotten over it. 
And Jesus is alive and real, and he forgave my sins. So now, why did infant baptism become such a big deal? Well, here, basically, um, it was believer's baptism to about the 200s um, AD, and then it turned into more infant baptism after that um, with, uh, with, until the Protestant Reformation um, in that time of the Protestant Reformation in 1500s. So this is why they thought infant baptism. One, is it similar to circumcision in the Old Testament that you would have for a baby? So they said, well, let's take circumcision and let's just make it into baptism. Two, in Acts chapter 16, you see households being saved and baptized. So they took the word household to mean the entire family. And then really it took root in the fifth century with Augustine in particular, because it was seen as the removal of original sin. So they said, okay, if we can, if we can get all the way back to right there, that baby and take the sin out right then, then that'll be able to do that. But as we talked about, it's not for salvation, it's for symbolism. Jesus is the one, you can't do a work to try to get yourself clean in your heart. That's a whole different ball game. That's you and God and God in you. That's what it's about. So how is a person then in the scriptures baptized? How is by immersion? So we talked about the why. It's symbolism, not salvation. That makes sense. It wouldn't be a, a works we could do. Why does Jesus need to die on the cross? Then if we, just, if we could just do it on our own. We talked about the who. It's believers, and we see that here with Peter preaching to these folks, and you'll see that 3,000 are gonna come to Christ and be baptized. So it's, ba it's believers, not babies, because that's the personal decision to say, I wanna walk with God and I want the world to know. And then we see now, thirdly, how do we do it? How do we do it? <clears throat> the Greek word is baptizo. It literally means to immerse. I put in your listening guide some historical uses of the word baptismo, Josephus, one of the uh, Christian historians way back in the day, in the first century, used this word to sink a ship, so it's all the way sunk. Plutarch used it in the first century to be over your head and ears in debt. Now that's a sermon for another day, okay? But to be over your head in debt. Plato used it in the fourth and fifth century to immerse in wine. They would use it also in different places to take a cloth and to dye a cloth, you would baptize it into the color and you would pull it out. It's a great, great just symbolism going in and coming out. So we see that throughout the time of baptism or throughout all that's taken place in Christian history. So it went for, you know, the very beginnings were all believer baptism in the sense that, that it was by immersion is what I mean by that, after salvation, by immersion. And then it kind of got off the tracks a little bit. And then in the Protestant Reformation, it started coming back. Well, you know how it came back. This is an interesting place of, of church history. There was a guy named um, Felix Manns and Conrad Grable. And they started reading the scriptures in about 1519, and they started seeing and hear all of this stuff about baptism by immersion. And so they said, we're not gonna baptize our infants. And they had a group of people, they said, we're not gonna do it. And they said, yes, you are. No, we're not. Yes, you are. No, we're not. And then they were you know, doing baptism as adults after Christ or after you'd received Jesus as Savior by immersion. And they said they weren't gonna do it. And they said, well, if you like water that much, we'll drown you. And they both died martyr, martyrs for their faith. And they were called the Anna, again, Baptist. 
the again baptizers. And so the Anabaptist ended up becoming the Baptist and many other Protestant denominations, of course, do this as well because it was after the Protestant Reformation. So that's a little history of, of the price even paid on that. So what an interesting thing for us to be able to think about, okay, who's the who, what's the why, and what's the how? And so as we come to this baptism day, what's gonna happen in just a few moments I'm going to wrap up this message. I'm going a little bit shorter, which don't amen or cheer, please, when I'd say that, but hurt my feelings. But in just a few moments, we're going to have a moment that it's going to be crowd participation. It's not going to be who has a to-do list. It's going to be who wants to do this list, in a sense. Who wants to repent of their sins? Who wants to trust Jesus as their Savior? That's the number one. And who wants to be baptized? And we have folks that have already, they've said, hey, in these past previous weeks, we want to be baptized. And in just a few moments, I'm going to ask them, they're going to stand up and they're going to walk right out of the room. And I'm going to say for others of you, you've been hearing this message and you want to be baptized. And you're like, I didn't plan on it today, but God in His sovereignty brought me here in this moment and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk out the door and I'm going to be baptized. And here's what I want you to know. We are planned for you. We got you a towel. We got you a bathing suit and we got you a t-shirt just like I'm wearing. And you get to keep all of this, okay? Maybe the towel will wash, but we don't want your bathing suit or your t-shirt back, all right? So we've got this ready to go in a bag just like this for you to say, today's my day. God's moving on my heart and I'm going to do this. Now, if you're a kid... We would love for you to meet with one of our staff members. We've got staff members that, from our, our students and children that are, that are here today, would love to talk to you. But even more so, maybe it would be best for you, parent in particular, thinking about this, that maybe it, it's something that needs to be a little bit more of a conversation. We don't want anybody as a child or a student to just run off and be baptized. So if your parents aren't here and for it, then, then this is not your moment. Or parent, if you want them to talk later, we'll schedule an appointment with you and your kids to be able to talk about that. That's a-okay. If today's the day and you're like, parent says yes, kid says yes, you're ready to go, then, then that's, that's good. We support the parent. But to be able to be ready for that, we are ready for you. We are ready. So in thinking about this, let me tell you what happened in my heart. So I trusted Jesus as my Savior. It was October 21st, 1986. I was a junior in high school. I prayed and received Christ right in the southwest part of uh, Houston off A-Leaf Clodine Road, my student minister's house uh, that I didn't know he was going to be my student minister, but he ended up being my student minister, and he prayed with me and led me, and I prayed, and I asked Jesus, would you forgive my sins? Would you live in my heart? Would you wash me clean? And Jesus, in that moment, forgave my sins, and I felt different, new, and it was just, it was amazing. And I turned from, and I turned to him. And then I just started going on. And then I remember in church, I was just, the, the pastor would talk, and I just felt like something in my heart was like, I'm supposed to do something. I'm supposed, I, well, and I didn't, know, I didn't know what it was. I just didn't know what it was. I was like, I'm, I'm already saved. I already trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm growing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I've walked away from a lot of sin, and I'm, I'm walking as best I can in this direction for the Lord. What is it? And I talked to my student minister, and he said, Greg, you know, I think what it might be, I think my, what it might be is that you need to be baptized. And boy, I just got that family fear in me. I thought, oh, no. It's one thing to just show up at church every once in a while, and you know, read my Bible when the door's closed in my room, but uh, this, this, this feels like I'm leaving, leaving home too much here. I, he said, why don't you just pray about it? 
And that next Sunday, I had prayed about it all week long, and it was just started going again. I was clutching the back of that pew, and I just said, Lord, I surrender. And I walked. In those days, I came walking down that aisle, shook that man's hand, and said, I want to be baptized. You know what? My whole family showed up when it was scheduled for my baptism. They celebrated, and they had joy in their heart, and they loved me, and they were happy for me, and it was a blessing. It was a blessing, and it was wonderful. And maybe today, maybe today, you're just like I was in that moment, and you know this is your next step. You didn't come prepared. You didn't come ready. But God got us ready. And we got all the excuses totally moved to the side. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be with you today. And you can jump right in. So let me give you, if I can, a to-do list filled with grace. It's the bottom of your listening guide. You can just look at it and think about it in your heart. Number one, have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? That's the first question we'll ask you in just a few moments. Just have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Have you repented of your sins? Has Jesus forgiven you? Have you asked him to forgive you? And if you haven't, in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a time that you can pray and ask Jesus to forgive you. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you, if you do know Christ as your Savior, if so, have you followed Christ in believer's baptism? Just as I just told you right out of the Scripture. After salvation, by immersion, have you followed in believer's baptism? Maybe you were baptized just like me as a, as a child or as a baby, and you appreciate your heritage, but it's time to follow him for the future. And then third and finally, is God calling you to follow him in baptism today? Is today your day? Let me read you the rest of the scriptures here just in this one little section as we wrap up. Peter replied in verse 38, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. It's not a second blessing. You don't get it later. It, it comes right there in salvation. For this is the promise, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for as many as the Lord our God will call. So he's, he's open it wide up. Verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Now, verse 41, here's what I want to end with. So those who accepted his message, accepted Jesus as Savior, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them, meaning the church. Isn't that great? You think they showed up for that sermon with their swim trunks in hand, ready to be baptized? That right there, my friend, is spontaneous baptism. That's somebody hearing the message. It says in the verse 37, when it first started out, that they were pierced to the heart. God got to their heart. And when God gets to your heart, don't, don't snuff that off. When God's speaking to your heart, you don't snuff that off. You let that, you, Lord, yes. And so we come to this moment right now. We're gonna pray. And then I'm gonna say, let's go. And at that moment, those that are going to be baptized today are going to stand up and they're going to be walking to the door and we're going to be cheering for them and we're going to be excited about it and it's going to be amazing. Then we're going to baptize them right now. We're going to sing a couple songs while they get ready and then we're going to come and we're going to baptize them. Now, if you've pre-registered or today's just your day and you just know it, 
There's a table for those that have pre-registered that's right outside the lobby, right on the back of that wall. You can walk right there, alphabetical, um, two sections there. And then if you are spontaneous, then there's little round tables all throughout the lobby. And you can go out any door and walk right down into the lobby, the foyer here, and there's round tables. If you're deciding today, you just go to that table and you will find a smiling face of encouragement wearing a blue t-shirt. And they will love you and we will cheer for you and we will celebrate this step in your life. How, who, why, now. Father, we come in Jesus Christ's name. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good, so mighty, so wonderful. And we ask you, Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts right now. We are believing, we've been praying for this to be a moment in the kingdom of God. that you would do something spectacular, God. We're stepping out on faith. I ask you those three questions I just went over. Have you trusted Jesus as your savior? Repented of your sins, accepted his death on the cross and resurrection to be on your behalf? you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to lead you in this prayer. It's got to be from your heart and your soul. It's not a lucky charm prayer. It's just me giving words for your heart. You just repeat after me, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I've done wrong and I know that you are right. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I turn from sin to you. And Father, I pray for the courage to live out this Christian life in your power. Save my soul through your grace for all of eternity. Second question, have you been baptized as a believer by immersion after salvation? Have you raised up your flag and said, I belong to Jesus. This is my ring to tell the world. Third question, is today your day that you've trusted Jesus as your Savior? And today is your day. Are you scared? Probably so. I was too. But is there joy on the other side of that? Yes, there is. Is today your day? Take that to the Lord right now. Father, we pray this. Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at the Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.